Hello and welcome to Living Stones, a podcast of conversations with the people of Red Mountain Community Church, highlighting the victories and struggles, the snapshots and stories of the people sitting right next to you on Sunday morning. I'm Peter Franson from Spirit Blade Productions and your fellow seat warmer at Red Mountain Community Church. My co-host today, once again, is Kyle Fox, our lead pastor, or as I think of sometimes, the man who laughed gleefully when I took a ride on El Diablo. <laughs> Do you remember that? I sure do. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that, but yeah. Okay, it, tell tell us who what who or what is El Diablo? El Diablo was based upon a design that uh, we had seen another youth pastor do at his church. It was basically this stool that you sat on and he could electrocute you with the push of a button. And it was <laughs> it wasn't like high, but it it was like you could tell you're getting electrocuted and it hurt. It hurt. It's like a snake bite. It was like fangs in my rear end. <laughs> so my cousin and I, he, I mean, he's kind of the engineering type. So we were like, we got to get one of those. So he he went online and uh, got the parts for it. And we built one and had some fun in youth group. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I was, this was back when. And uh, we named it El Diablo. I didn't I, name it El Diablo. I know. I don't know I why. Think Tony did. Did Tony prob- Nave end probably. El Diablo? But yeah, this was would have been like when I was the worship pastor and you were, were you an intern or were I you was the an intern. Okay, I was you just an intern. Uh, okay. intern at that point. And uh, just goofing off in the office right. in those days. Yeah. Is there any, is it an antic free office now? Is everyone all more mature than, than we were? Or, oh, yes. Or is there, is One there... of the, my key things I brought was maturity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we. We have a good mixture of is, fun and who is who's the who's the pastor on staff that's like most likely to be the source of antics? Ooh, probably Jessica. You wouldn't think of it. What? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's. I mean, it's it's definitely everyone takes their moment. Sometimes it's Dave, Amy. Okay, but prob- say, probably think- Ryan and Matt okay. would be the main ones. Uh, that are typically the instigators. I would be interested in seeing coming from come from Dave Amy. Yeah, because he plays it real cool. He's really like he's easy. He has an easy smile. I don't think I would see it coming from him. No, there's a reason he survived prison for four months. <laughs> he's he can be. <laughs> he has a good poker face. <laughs> um. All right. Let's see. Is there anything else here? I don't think so. So really hard, rough. Awkward transition. Yeah, okay. Uh, (laughs) Earlier today, uh, Kyle and I spent some time talking with David Chase, um, whose story of how he kind of came to faith it's there's a it's complicated there's a lot going on there i appreciate yeah. i appreciate just the the nuance and the complexity of uh, his story and just how god met him through uh, all that was going on in in his life so uh we're going to share that conversation with you right now all right we're talking here with david Duchovny. wait a minute <laughs> Scully. <laughs> Dave- you do look like David Duchovny. Has anybody ever told you that? Yeah, actually, uh, once or twice. Um, back in my bartending days, definitely. Okay. So it's, we're actually talking to David Chase, for those listening. He's not very different from David Duchovny, but um, thanks for doing this and taking Thanks for time. having me. Um, 
yeah, I was really looking forward to talking to you because you we just briefly interacted during our Christmas Eve service where you came and as part of the service shared just some of your story. And then, uh, you know, we just briefly talked in, in the green room here. Um, but I, my understanding is that, that what you shared Christmas Eve is really just kind of like the tip of the iceberg of kind of like the, the, the path that you've seen God take you on. And so, um, I want to, I'm really curious to kind of dig into that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, and if we can, I'd like to go back and start with like, um, the, the home you grew up in and like, how would you describe the home that you grew up in and then how you started out feeling about Jesus? Well, um, so I grew up in a Lutheran home. Um, my parents divorced when I was very young. Uh, I actually don't remember them ever together. Um, so it was, it was definitely like I just never knew what it was like to have a, a close family. Um, but it was always important that we went to church. Um, it was important that, uh, that I read the Bible and, and things like that. I went to my grandmother, she paid for us to go to a Christian school, which was really cool. Um, but I never really knew anything else. Um, it was it was like you had to go to church every Sunday. Um, and what I remember from church was just being very, very bored. Mm. And I just remember how uncomfortable the pews were. <laughs> there are these wooden pews that just made my back hurt. Did they not put padding on those? No padding. Oh man, um, at least the more progressive traditional churches put some pads on those were, things. You ha we had to kneel a lot and there were these bars that would come down yeah, and you those, those had suckers padding down. On yeah. Them, oh, so nice. that was like okay. the most comfortable part of the day. Okay. <laughs> um but uh the Lutheran church it was nice. There there was a lot of loving families and friends that I met. Um I have great memories from my childhood going there. Um, but at, at home, there was a lot of brokenness from the divorces. Um, just a lot of, uh, I remember a lot of fighting between my mom and my dad, um, and just never really getting along. It, it was always something, and I don't remember if my brother would do it, but I would definitely manipulate my parents whenever I would get in trouble, and I would just kind of run off to the other parent's house and um, like if I got grounded, I would, because my dad lived a block away, I would oh. go over to his house and uh, then I could kind of do what I wanted to do. Um, but uh, just my my childhood, I, I remember being very independent and just wanting to do my own thing. I, I didn't get very good grades. Um, my brother, my older brother, Dan, he's three years older than me. He got pretty much perfect grades his entire school career, um, basically like straight A's, not a single B. And I think it was fifth grade where I got my first D. And I was always much more, I guess, street smart, better at figuring out how to fix things around the house. And 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 my, my brother Dan, he really wasn't interested in fixing things or figuring out how things worked. Um, so I think that at that point was when I decided I, I was going to be the street smart one and kind of rebel from school, and, and that was going to be my identity, and and that my brother Dan, his identity was he was really book smart, but w we were different, but we were smart in our own right. And um, as I got into high school, 
Um, so I went to Christian Lutheran school all through grade school, was confirmed in the Lutheran church. And um, I remember my eighth grade year, one of the pastors sitting us all down saying that more than half of us would never come back to church. Mm. And uh, it's just the reality of, and that, that was something that was very profound to me back then. Um, and I remember thinking, oh, that'll never be me. That'll, you know, I'll never be that person. But then I went to a public high school, and I think I just remember as I, as I started you know, becoming a man my, my sophomore year, um, I, I just became more interested in being popular, being more interested in being cool and, and what that looked like. And, but I was also very shy around, I was shy around girls, I was shy around anybody really. Um, so it was hard for me to be myself in certain situations. Um, what was the what Well, was the no, you're painting a really good picture okay. here. I wanted to get a sense of kind of what your upbringing was like, what that situation was like. And then also, if you could comment on like, um, what was your thoughts or feelings about Jesus and all that? You know, you okay. mentioned specifically um, that you were confirmed in the Lutheran Church, sure. which I assume involves some process where they're asking you to affirm that you believe certain things. So um, did you feel like at that time that you believed those things, but it was more theoretical and not relevant to day-to-day? Or how would you describe like who Jesus was um, in your mind in relationship to your life and what you believed and did? So back then, I, I'd say that I believed it. Um, mm-hmm. I believed it because I was told it. Okay. Um, but I was not, now as I look back, I was not um, ever aware of my own sin. I was never aware of my need of grace. Mm-hmm. Um, I had never experienced any of that. Um, so I think that it was very much just like, you're told something, so you just say, you just say, "Well, I believe it." Yeah. And um, it wasn't until I got away from the church and I was in the world, um, basically, I I turned my back on my upbringing, where I, where I was like, maybe what I've been told all this time isn't true. Mm. Let's see what the world has to say. Yeah. Um, and and then at that point, it was it was like I was so far away. I didn't even remember who God was, or, or I, I remembered little parts of of the, the gospel, but I didn't really understand it. And um, so I don't think that I ever really understood what that that I had a need for for a savior when I was when I was younger or when I was confirmed. I maybe I did, but I don't remember. Yeah, um, I don't remember thinking that or or. Ever experiencing that grace. Mm. Um, so as you look back now, I want to get to, um, as I understand it, there was like maybe two or three years ago, kind of a significant shift in your orientation toward Christ. But before we get to that, as you look at the time prior to that, leading up to that significant shift in your life, that was, uh, I guess, two or three years ago, um, one listener is asking, uh, looking back on your life before receiving Christ, have you seen specific times where God was clearly intervening and, and drawing you to Him? As you look with the you know uh, hindsight being twenty twenty, looking back, are there any moments or things? Yeah, so um, I had this sense um, all through the years, even though I didn't really know what it meant to be a Christian anymore. I, I 
when I was living in sin, it was like, oh, I'll come back sometime. I'll come back at some point. Uh, I didn't know what it meant to come back, like mm. I, but I just, I think that that was just something that made me feel okay inside. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'll still, if there is a God, you know, sometime he'll forgive me. Um, but it, there definitely is, so I, five years ago in October, October 2014 was when I, when I was born again. Okay. Um, and so I guess it's not quite five years, but. Um, it, it was a lot of different things that, that were prodding me towards Christ. Um, my life was spiraling out of control in many different ways. Um, emotionally, um, physically, I, I, I was filled with anxiety and, and, um, didn't know why Mm. I had no self-control. I was making, um, just poor decisions as far as the amount of alcohol that I would consume, um, what I would do when I would consume that alcohol, and also drugs and things. Um, music festivals were a big part of my life, and I, I we would go to music festivals and, and drink and use drugs all weekend long, and then it, I would come back to reality on Monday and have to go to my job, and it would be like a huge shock to... Mm my body to have to like act normal again. Um, but, uh, it it was just, uh, it was as, as I started to make these poor decisions and then start to feel the consequences of them. Um, as far as I started to have social anxiety and situations, which I never had had before. Hmm. And alcohol was always my, my buddy to kind of, help with that okay uh, it would make me feel comfortable in situations and that started way back in high school that started oh, okay. when i was a sophomore when i was really shy cared about popularity and i found i started going to keg parties which were very popular at my high school and um had my first couple beers and i wasn't shy anymore mm. it was it was uh, i was talking to anyone and everyone and and felt accepted Um, so that was the beginning of, at that point was the beginning of a shift where I, I can clearly remember from that point on, I didn't think about Jesus anymore. Yeah. I just was on this different trajectory at that point and sin more and more became a regular part of, of my life. Um, the alcohol didn't took away my inhibitions. So and then the far the more the more I was sitting, the more separated I was from God, the less I was thinking about I, I wasn't even feeling conviction of any of the stuff that I was doing. Yeah. Um and uh it just continued until um I guess it was a lot of people were praying for me through that time, or I know that they were. I just didn't know at the time. Yeah. Um and as I was getting closer and closer to getting saved, back to what your your question was, uh, all kinds of things were happening to point me back towards Christ. Um, there were, I can remember a member at my golf club who I always looked up to. He just had this, he carried himself um, just with peace. And also he, it was like the fruit of the spirit before I knew what the fruit of the spirit was. Mm. I, he was gentle, he was kind, 
he was firm and he was consistent and and uh and he would just come in and and ask me how I was doing and and he would he would always talk to me a little bit and and say Dave you you should come and check out my church and mm. I'd say yeah maybe maybe sometime Don and and then when he wasn't talking to me I'd see him with his family and I remember watching him and I was just like something different about that guy mm. and and then there are a few other people like that that were kind of doing the same thing in my life that were all disconnected people that were all people from my past um and they're all just kind of like hey Dave you should have you read your Bible? Or and then I'd be like, I don't even know if I have a Bible anymore. Mm. Um, but there, there were definitely the the Holy Spirit was working. You know, all these was working to to point me back towards Him, and and it was a journey um, to get there. It went all the way through yoga and trying, kind of looking for peace in in yoga because that's what the world is telling you meditate and do yoga to relax sure that's the lie that that is out there right now um and then that kind of led into studying some eastern um philosophies okay um as far as like finding your zen or or your higher consciousness and and finding peace that way and um so what did you find when you when you went into that stuff did you find a degree of of help or or what was that so the breathing and the stretching that stuff would temporarily relieve my anxiety okay my anxiety was at such a point i would literally wake up in the morning and my whole body would feel tense Mm -hmm. from the moment i woke up until the moment i either had a drink or went running like if i went running that would that would make me feel better temporarily okay and like the yoga stuff the stretching the breathing like that would help but again it was just like a temporary thing and then reality would kick back in and i'd be like very very tense Hmm. um, very uneasy very restless it's like this feeling of i'd be laying in bed or on the couch and it was like you can never get comfortable Hmm. it's just a miserable place to be so then what um what started specifically making you want to uh orient in any way toward Jesus you you know you you saw uh some th- this uh, guy at the golf club who seemed a little bit different and some other people that were kind of interacting with you in in some way that were believers and then you saw some help but also like a very limited degree of help in some of these other options still left with this anxiety so what was it that uh, that you that you think um, led you to think well what about what's what about Jesus or you know tell me about that beginning mm. of that shift. Well, I specifically remember so I was, I was watching YouTube videos of these gurus giving these talks, you know, on life and just how you know you, if you would just figure it out, it all makes sense. You just have to do this and then you'll be at peace. It's so simple. Mm. Um, and I was like, uh, some of this stuff logically makes a little bit of sense, but some of it just sounds like garbage. Mm. Um, and uh, I, some, some light bulb went off in my head and was like, does Jesus work with yoga? Hmm. And I was like, and I Googled that. And there are all these people <laughs> who say that, yeah, you can meditate on scripture and it's fine. And that started me, th- I remember that was that was the first time I had thought about Jesus in a long time. Hmm. And there was some scripture that that was on one of those pages that I read. And then shortly thereafter, 
I was I was like, do I have a Bible anymore? Mm. And I was in my condo and I just started searching my condo for a Bible and and I don't think I found a Bible, but I found a book that said God on it. Okay. So I was like, oh, that's close. Um, <laughs> so um, I grabbed that book and and it was the Prodigal God that is written by Tim Keller and my brother had actually given that book to me five years prior when I was the best man at his wedding. Wow. And my brother, he's always walked with the Lord as long as I can remember. Um, he was a leader at a college in Mississippi called Ole Miss, and he led a group called RUF, which is Reformed um, University Fellowship. Okay. And all this, I was talking about people praying about me, all, all the while he was consistently praying for me that I would come back to the Lord or come to the Lord. And a lot of his mentors, pastors, and friends that I didn't even know were praying for me consistently. Mm. And um, so he had given me that book when I was his best man. And man, I was not his best man at that time in my life. I didn't even really talk to him or contact him, but mm. but he um, he wanted to include me as his best man. And I was living in California at the time, and I flew over... Um, to Mississippi for his wedding, and um, he gave me that book. And honestly, I can't even remember him giving me the book at mm. the wedding, probably because I had been drinking or just I was so self-centered that I just did not even care about things like that that okay. were given to me. Or um, So then when I found that book that day when I was looking for a Bible, I opened it, and my brother had written me a really nice page um, in the front, and basically it was saying that that it was his prayer that that someday I would ask in my heart if Jesus really was who he said he was. Mm. And that was very profound that day when I read that. And, and the book, The Prodigal God, is a very short book that depicts the parable of the prodigal son. Um, Keller talks about how Often that parable is is only um, broken down, referring to the life of the prodigal, the younger brother, yeah, and and not and and that the parable is actually as much or more about the older brother mm. and yeah. um, how the older brother is very much like very bitter and and he has always done everything right and he has earned. Um, the father's blessing and the, the father's um, basically inheritance. And um, at the end, the younger brother enters the, the feast and the party, and it's there, but the older brother decides not to go on his own accord because of bitterness, mm. um, self-righteousness. and um, but, but when I read that, it, it just... So basically that day I read about 75% of that book mm. and it was, it was like, wow, this is, this sounds like truth. This feels like truth mm. way more than any of that guru stuff. Wow. And, um, so I think I set the book down and I was like, okay, that was nice and fell back into what I was doing for a couple more weeks and then woke up again feeling horribly anxious on a Saturday morning, and I was like, I'm going to grab that book again. And I read it cover to cover, and um, 
at the end, I, I was I was reading every single word. I remember that, and and at the end, I was just overcome by peace and love and and joy and understanding. I was just it was it was speaking so much truth to me that I just got down on my knees and I and I just said, God, I'm just gonna give my life to you. Like I don't want to do any of this anymore. Mm. And I was just bawling in my room by myself. And I wrote this one page commitment and just thanking him to for the truth he had showed me and just a commitment to my family and a commitment to to his truth and to seeking him. And I remember just just like I, I was living with my girlfriend at the time and I she was out on the couch watching TV and I walked out there and told her I was just crying and told her everything that had happened. And she just looked at me like I was completely insane. Hmm, boy. And, um, but yeah, that was the beginning. And after that day, that day was very profound. It, it, there were a lot of things that I was delivered from immediately, mm. like that day. A lot of the, the anxiety, like I no longer used any anti-anxiety medication. I slept like a baby from wow. that, from that day. You're talking on. like cold turkey? That yeah. stuff? Wow. Yeah. And that stuff you're not even supposed to do that with. You're supposed to wean yourself off of mm. those things. So that was probably not, I mean, I was never like taking a crazy amount of them. Yeah. I would still take like a normal dose, mm -hmm. but you're, that's the kind of thing where it doesn't actually, like Xanax doesn't actually heal mm. your anxiety. It puts a Band-Aid on it and the Band-Aid works less and less and less as time goes on. You need more and more of it. Okay. And then if you don't have it, you're twice as anxious as you ever were oh, before. Boy. So that's why it was like, it was pretty amazing supernatural thing where all of a sudden I really did from that day I really honestly can say that I've had peace that transcends understanding wow like in almost all aspects I mean there there are times where I'll be under spiritual attack where it'll be like oh you're anxious freak out and but then I'm able to just handle it or not handle it but rebuke it hmm. in the name of Jesus yeah. um and uh, answer it with truth. Mm. Um, wow, yeah, wow. With scripture. That's um, great. You use the, the sword of the word of God against it, and then it's like, okay, you're fine. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so that, that day forward, after that, I had a thirst for truth and for the word. Um, every single day, I would listen to two or three sermons a day just because I, I wanted more and I wanted more and, and more. Yeah. And, um, that was probably about a three-year period of just listening, and and um, that was before I came here. Or I'd say a two-year period before I came here. Okay. And then I came to Red Mountain about two years into, a year and a half, two years into being saved. Were you connected, like, um, after um, you had this big shift where you gave your life to Christ, were you connected to a local church um, at any time after that, like before coming to Red Mountain? Um, I started going to a church in downtown Phoenix called Ro Roosevelt Community Church. Okay, um, which was a good church. It, it was kind of far, mm -hmm. which made it easy. Some like I was the only one in the household that wanted to go. Okay, it was my girlfriend and I, and then another couple that lived in a house, and I would be the one that's like, "Let's go to church," and they would go sometimes just to make me happy, but. I was always the one having to get everybody going. Yeah. 
so sometimes it was frustrating because then I wouldn't go because it was only me and and if I wouldn't get up in time then it was too far away so yeah um, but it was a good church and and uh also shortly thereafter a redemption church was planted right across the street from where I lived okay they started going to that one um and my brother ever since I I was saved our relationship totally changed um, where we had nothing in common, I felt like before I was saved, and then after that, he became like my best friend. Wow! So he was he was discipling me a lot in those early days, saying, you know, it's really important that you ha- that you get involved with the church. It's really important that you get into a small group, mm-hmm. and, and all those things. It, shortly thereafter, started um, becoming more comfortable for me. Okay. Um, so. Um. Another listener question we have is, uh, how has your faith journey helped you in being able to share Christ with others? And I assume by uh, faith journey, they mean like your journey uh, to faith in Christ. All Basically, all we've talked about leading up to that moment where you gave your life to Christ. Um, you know, before we started recording, you know, you mentioned that you were just interacting with somebody and, and sharing your faith. So how has what you've, all this that you've talked about that you've been through, um, how has that helped you in, as you've been, as you've shared Christ with others? Um, good question. So basically, it in is. the beginning, it's a, it's a good question. Hey, yeah. Kyle, I didn't even know you were here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good just, to see you. Just materialized. Good to be here. <laughs> um, so basically, quit hitting me with your knee, Kyle. <laughs> um, so basically, I was feeling some conviction when I first became a Christian that I wasn't sharing the gospel enough, and um, didn't really. But I had so much fear. I didn't really. I felt like I wasn't able or good enough or prepared or mm, sure um and then i ended up going on a mission trip to haiti that was about two a year and a half ago or so okay and um on that trip it it was really cool we were, we were setting up medical missions for haitians that didn't have access to any health care and um we also a, a big um, a, a, a big goal of the trip was for all of the leaders to get together each night and have a Bible study and to, to really share um, some fellowship time. And some of the, there were 13 of us on the, the, the trip, and, and some of the people were Christians and some weren't. And my aunt headed the trip, and it was important that, that the people that were non-Christians that we would share our testimonies with them. Hmm. So I, I remember leading up to that, it, it was very anxious for me to share that. This was the first time I had ever shared my testimony. Um, so leading up to it, I was thinking about it all the time. How am I going to do this? And then when I finally shared it, it was just very impactful to people. Hmm. And and the Holy Spirit was like, started leading me towards Scripture where, where that basically sharing our testimony is how um, is how we share the gospel with people. And so then I, I was just looking for opportunities to share my testimony because I, that was easy for me to do. Uh, it was just telling the truth of my life to people. Hmm. And um, as I got into a life group at, at Red Mountain, I shared my testimony there and, and I saw most most of the the people in the life group were 
older than me, but a lot of them had kids that were my age or kids that were living in the world and no longer in the church. And, and that my testimony brought them peace and brought mm. them encouragement. Um, and, uh, so it, it was just, just the, the Lord really showed me, um, just, just how important it is to, to share our testimony and how impactful it can be to people. So now I've been trying to do it with, with, um, with care, but doing it when it's appropriate and, um, as much as I can, even though sometimes it's either scary or hard. Mm. So like in your life group, there's several people in our church, uh, that either have kids or grandkids that are, um, either just haven't come to faith yet, uh, in their later teen years or early twenties, or they, they, while they were in the home, they were okay. But as soon as they left home, they, they kind of, started living apart from Christ, how would you encourage those parents or grandparents now? Or like what, what types of things should they, how, how should they be approaching that? How can they help their grandson, daughter, son or daughter in these times? Yeah, um, definitely through prayer. Prayer is the most powerful thing that, that can be done. The, the Spirit, it, it's very apparent that many people were praying for me um, because I was so far lost that there's no reason that I should have ever come back. Um, it's a total miracle. Um, so definitely prayer is the most po- powerful thing that can be done, and then just loving them um, consistently through through it all. Um, and uh, just just trying to share the love of Christ with them rather than forcibly telling them what they should be doing because mm. I think that that will fall on deaf ears yeah um, in that situation I don't remember that ever being impactful for me at all it was it was just the people that the people that um, modeled the love of Christ in their actions those were the ones that I was watching because mm. it's it's true that people are always watching and that's that's really what's impactful it's more about um, what people are doing than what they say to you and over a consistent period of time. So, yeah, and I think one of the things too is I listen have have heard your story. I think it's important too to in the midst of our prayer to practice patience because, like your your period of of sophomore year in high school until five years ago, that's. That's a lot of years. That's almost 15, that's 15, 15. years. Yeah. Hmm. But yet God was working in the midst of that, putting little pieces in place to, to get you to where you are today and to make sure that you were equipped for you know, your calling in life. And so there's a process and there's a patience to this. Um, I think that's encouraging for people to know like, okay, God is faithfully working through little things and through multiple people. That aren't even connected. Mm. Yeah, uh, but God is connecting those dots in your own mind, and the Spirit was was using you. That's, I think, that's an, an encouraging thing for people to hear uh, as they wrestle with their own waywardness, but also as they see waywardness in those that are in their family or that are just loved ones for them. So that's neat. Um, you know, another thought I had was you mentioned. Um, that there were temporary uh, 
fixes to your anxiety and that when you when you came to Christ, there was kind of a deliverance from that. And I guess I'm wondering now, does that anxiety creep up still? And how are you talking with the Lord and, and the Spirit about those? Or is it just gone? Like, how does that look in your life, you know? Um, so basically, before I when, I, when I would be anxious, I just thought that something was wrong with me or I was weird or I, w- or I was screwed up. And now when I'm anxious, um, I, I finally, for the first time in my life, I understand um, what it means to take every thought captive. Um, so very much I, I, I started, when I would have a thought or I would have a fear, I, w- I would pause or this is what I do now. I pause and I say, "Is this, is this of God? Is, is this um, the enemy? Is this an, a spiritual attack, or is this my flesh? Like, what is this? You know, is this is this pride that I'm feeling this way because I want these people to to like me or think that I'm funny or smart? Is that why I'm anxious right now, or or is this just you know the enemy trying to stop this from happening or or make it?" it less impactful or um so really just discerning the spirits and i think that that comes with wisdom given by the holy spirit um and that that's something that comes through prayer comes through seeking him and his word consistently and um it's it's not just it, it it's not just something that that you just have instantly but it's it's just something that is measured you know, as, as you spend more time in prayer and in the Word, it, it's a discernment that the Holy Spirit um, gives you. Mm. So it's not that the anxiety necessarily um, is completely dissipated from your mind, like it still comes up every now and then, but you feel equipped to handle those moments in a permanent way. You know the truth to resolve those things before the Lord. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's been a number of occasions where it was either anxiety or, or um, my mom had had suffered. She's no longer suffering from it, um, but she had suffered from depression for many years, and there, I've been under a, a specific spiritual attack where I was driving one day, and I wasn't even thinking about my mom or thinking about anything like that, and then all of a sudden, there was all these thoughts came out of nowhere into my head. You're going to be depressed. You're going to be bipolar. You're going to, your life is going to be ruined. And then my whole body was overcome by fear. Mm. And um, I had uh, been studying spiritual warfare um, and the Holy Spirit was, was like rebuke that thought in the name of Jesus. And I was just driving by myself, and I, I just said, in the name of Jesus, spirit of depression, spirit of anxiety, I rebuke you and cast you away from me to the place that Jesus would have you go. And I immediately felt fine. like, And then I was just overcome by just like peace again and, mm. and literally felt the hairs on my neck go up, and I was just like, wow, this is amazing. And um, so that was one of the times, and then and then just using using the word of god that's why it's so important to study so that that we that we have the word of god to use in times of attack um because satan is the is the father of lies and and the accuser and he's always 
trying to accuse. Um, and if we let him, then, and we accept that and we don't combat that with, with the word of God, with truth, then it's easy to get overcome by fear and anxiety and, and those things will grow and get bigger mm. and bigger and bigger um, if, if we don't take that authority. What would you say, kind of along those lines, are, are some recurring things or people in your life right now that you consider valuable contributors to the continued growth of your faith? Uh, well, definitely my wife, definitely my brother. Um, you said family or, or... I wanted to keep it really broad, really. So things could be, you know, habits or resources, oh, okay. or it could... Or, and I also said, or people. Um, so just any kind of recurring elements in your life that uh, you would consider valuable contributors to the growth of your faith. Okay. Um, well, definitely a commitment to spending time seeking Him um, alone, just just in prayer and in His Word, mm. um, making that the priority. Uh, and then also in my marriage, um, just spending time in prayer together, mm. uh, spending time talking about what we're what we're going through, um, not only in life but spiritually, our relationship with God, um, and then just fellowship with other Christians in the area, um, at church, um, having time to pray for others, and uh, any any time that I start to struggle, it's usually because I'm I'm too much in my own world and not serving. Um, so just stuff like that, trying to be less or selfless and less selfish. Mm. Cool. Well, thanks, man. This has been great. Do you have anything you wanted to follow up on or uh, anywhere else you wanted to go? Yeah, I know you and Narelle serve in uh, high school ministry. Um, how have how have you seen uh, the Lord's hand in your life as you've served in just encouraging, spurring high school students on, discipling them? What's been some of the main things you've seen God do in the past? Uh, I don't know, eight months. Uh, it's just it's just always amazing the way that that the Lord's working. Um, this time, even a year ago or two years ago, never would I thought that I'd be leading. Um, never would I thought that I'd be on this podcast right now, honestly, or sharing my testimony in front of the whole church. Um, but. The, the the kids are awesome and and you just realize that that they need consistent um, people that are there for them that are just sharing the gospel with them over and over again and just how important it is in their in their lives to follow Jesus it's not just you know something that we do to check off a box it's it's your entire life you know and there's nothing more important and everything's on the line um, so just having the opportunity to 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 share my time with these with these kids and and I also at the age that they're at right now is is the age that I veered off track so doing everything that I can to to just equip them for for all the the challenge cuz the challenges that they're going through are totally different than the ones that that I went through as far as phones and social media and things like that but I have a a understanding of that stuff, probably not quite as extensive as they do, but 
it's just been very cool. I feel like the Lord specifically put me there because um, I, I not, not me, but He can use me and my my testimony to be impactful to to those guys. Mm. So, and then what what time? Because you started coming to Red Mountain at the beginning of seventeen, two thousand seventeen, somewhere in there, or was it sixteen? Sixteen. What What about the church? And not that there's anything special about Red Mountain, but what about Red Mountain drew you to go? Okay, this is the place I I need to be. Like, what do you remember specifically, or was there a was there a moment, or what, looking back on it, what would you say? So the only reason that I go to Red Mountain is because it's right down the street. No, <laughs> um, it's a good reason. It actually, was really close, and I remember my first time going. I was I was like, wow, this is a big church. Is this a mega church? Like, are they broadcasting their sermons at multiple churches throughout the valley? Um, but then when I saw Kyle preach, not Bob, but when I saw Kyle preach, I was like, all right, I'm going to stay here. And and um, no, but both both of those, it, it was it was just the way that they were committed to breaking down Scripture and committing committed committed to Scripture that uh, made me just continue to want to come back. I don't know. And then and then when I got involved in the life groups, um, that was huge. Uh, it went, went from kind of just, my brother said, you can grow as a Christian on your own, but it's, it's just very, very going to be a slow-paced thing compared to when you get yourself around other Christians, um, some that are, are Farther along, farther along than you, or and um, some that aren't, and being discipled and discipling, and and being in that place of, of uh, just consistent, um, just just being around other Christians is so important. And and uh, when I got into that group and got connected, it it was huge because then I knew people at church, and then I was, you know, I was praying for people, and they were praying for me, and and more and more it felt like a family, and 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 what I believe the church is. What, what it first was um, when the church first started. Yeah, and I think what's good, just knowing your story, and it was like pretty soon after coming, you started serving and you got involved, and you just put yourself in a situation where you could be known um, by several people and started getting connected, and I think that's been a tremendous uh blessing for your growth and for for our church to have someone like you start serving and to like contribute i mean red mountains is better because of that we need you and we need people like you to jump in and serve um and uh continue to make our church healthy and grow but also it helps you it just is a, a mutually beneficial relationship and i've really seen that play out in your life over the last three years uh, that's been encouraging to me. Um, I want to backtrack before we kind of wrap things up here. Um, you know, you've talked a lot about the uh, just the the blessings and the freedom that you've experienced um, because of coming to Christ. Um, but there's also that sobering cost to be counted, um, and you had a pretty significant relationship um, that you left behind that was kind of intermixed with this decision to follow Christ. Can you talk about that a little bit and the, the, and the decision involved there? Yeah, so that was a, a very difficult time, um, but it was also a huge time for growth. 
for me um, where I was very much emotionally um, just a, a a person that was filled with fear um, and I, I I guess I, I wasn't I I think our relationship that lasted eight years was very mo- much codependent where we it was this like is you our, and your my ex and okay yeah um, how far along were you in in the relate in a in your commitment of your relationship with her so about f- six years of the eight that we were together is when the the lord started working on my heart and i right in there when i gave my life to christ um and at that point it it, it was just gradually growing farther and farther apart her and i i see um but i i I was so afraid of, I, I was still afraid of becoming depressed, being alone, like my, like my mom, um, that that I didn't think that it was possible for us to break up. And it was like, even though we we didn't have much of a connection emotionally or spiritually or or anything like that, it, it, there was just so much fear of what would happen, fear of the difficulty of the breakup after eight years, fear of all these things that that or just keeping um uh keep keeping me from thinking that that was a possibility um and and then I but I had a inner turmoil about the whole situation I I um actually got engaged to her and cuz I thought that maybe that would emotionally make us connect hmm. um but that was foolish um the the more that I sought to put Christ at the center of my life, the farther we grew apart. And um, as our we got close to the date that we were going to send out Save the Dates, we, we couldn't have been farther apart. We, we weren't even talking about anything. Mm. Her and I never really talked about much as far as really deep things. Our relationship was mostly just about having fun, yeah, going to concerts and things like that. Um, but as, as I started wanting to have a relationship that was at a, at a much deeper level, it just wasn't there. And I thought that maybe she didn't trust me because I hadn't, um, married her. So we got engaged and, and, uh, I still didn't feel right about it, knew nothing was changing. And I actually didn't know Bob Fox at the time, but I emailed him. And I told him the situation, and I asked him for, for wisdom, what I should do. Um, should I basically, should I marry her and just pray that she would become a Christian someday, and then we would have, we would be equally yoked and have that that same foundation, or, or what should I do? And I asked that same question to quite a few different people, and and Bob wrote me back a, a very wise and thoughtful email. Um, saying basically that I I needed to talk to because I I had told Bob that I I didn't know if she was a believer or not and that I and Bob said that I really needed to to talk to her about that and and I needed to make sure she understands what it means to be a Christian what it means to be married to a Christian and and once I did that it was it was super clear that she did not want to be married to a Christian. Mm-hmm. It was very clear that she didn't want to raise kids. Mm. 
to know Jesus. And um, at that point, it was like, oh, wow, yeah, we, we can't get married. Hmm. Uh, and we agreed on that. And, and um, I think that the end was a lot, was way before that, but that was when it was basically official. We owned a house together. We had lived together. It was, we did everything the wrong way hmm. um, as far as, you know, making things really difficult to break up. And, um, so it, it was, it was a very difficult thing as far as kind of like a divorce, but we didn't have kids or anything like that, but mm. I cared about her as a person so much. Yeah. Um, so that was really hard. Um, but it was, I remember talking to some of the people in my life group as I was processing that whole thing and, and, um, they just told me how how they they thought that that God would bless a lot of times when we make these really hard decisions for him and put him first um that that God blesses us through those things and I mean that couldn't be more true in in um just how he's given me just such an incredible wife who loves the Lord and is basically like the perfect woman for me mm-hmm. and um just just her heart and 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 just the way that that we inter- interact with each other and and serve and or wa- want to serve together and how much joy we get when we do um but yeah that was a that was a difficult chapter but when when I faced that fear of being alone and and there there was probably about a year of just time that I processed the fear I processed the pain I processed all that every time that I would feel it, I just got into the word mm. and, and it just, it brought me peace. It, I, I slept with a, a open Bible in my bed for that entire year. And anytime I would wake up in the middle of the night, I would just roll over and read it mm. and then fall back asleep. And it was, so I, I actually forgot about that until you reminded me. So it's <laughs> good to, it's good to think about it, about that again, because it was just such a profound time. Wow. That's awesome. Well, David, thank you so much for being willing to come and get on a microphone and just kind of put all this on the table and share your experiences with us. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's been great. Well, Kyle, what uh, stood out to you from our time talking with David? I think... I mean, there's a number of things um, about his life that are just good for me to know. I'm glad that I know uh, David and and the journey that God has taken him on. I think one of the things that stands out to me is just the the mixture of people that God used to... Um, call David back to himself. Uh, there's always a couple main ones, like he mentioned his brother, mm-hmm. and he mentioned his his life group here and various those conversations. So there's always a few that God uses, but it's amazing the then there's like this circle of like 10 or 12 people that just by little comments are are being used by the Lord to impact people. Mm. And so it just reminds me of 
of how much I don't grasp about God's plan and that I never know what's going on. Hmm. Things that I might say that I would forget or that seem totally harmless or off the wall can be something that God uses in someone's life at the right moment, at the right time. And so it reminds me that I'm very limited in my perspective. Yeah. And so therefore, I don't have to um, feel this overwhelming pressure and responsibility for the work. I think I need to feel a responsibility for the calling and the work. And I think as Christians, we do. But at the same time, there's a there's an ease to that. There's a there's a burden that's that's not fully carried by us because actually this. Jesus is carrying that burden. It's actually his. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's with us in that. He's the one that's actually working. We're just helping it along and and giving our little contributions uh here or there. So I I really appreciated that that aspect of his story today that I haven't totally thought about in the previous times that I've heard it, but that that really stood out to me today. Yeah. Yeah, and ha- and I think having that right perspective about what our role is and what it isn't can keep us from doing what he said would be ineffective, which would be to just kind of like um, force a conversation that's not ready to happen or to uh, make statements about what a person, you know, how they should be living and stuff when it's not the time or situation for that, but instead just be, yeah. being uh, uh, loving um, toward that person and uh, and just living out your life in Christ, you know, which I remember, you know, years ago used to sound like, well, that's that's just because you don't have enough guts to have the hard conversations, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but really, the the truth is that that really uh, connects with people um, in a way that uh, so many of our words just couldn't, and it would actually work against. And I I appreciate it specifically, and and knowing h- him and his brother's relationship, his brother was very um, good about pointing David back to Jesus, not you need to stop drinking or like yeah. keeping it at that moral level. Yeah, yeah. He, he approached, it said, it was always a get, get right with the Lord. Yeah. That's the issue in your life. Mm. The, the drinking, the party, and all that stuff is kind of symptoms of that deeper thing. And so it's important, I think, for us as we think about being ministers to people and and how do we help direct ourselves and other people? It's, the core of it is always a where's your conversation with the Lord at? How, mm. Are you right with Him? Are you are you believing truth about who He is and how He relates with you and how He feels about you? Those, those sorts of things are important questions to start with, but we can all sometimes tend to focus on the moral things, yeah, which. It's not that those aren't important, sure, but we have to deal with the chief things of chief importance first, yeah, and keep it at that level. Yeah, I think one thing that really stood out to me was the role that truth played in shaping his perspective. You know, in in a couple situations, one, you know, he talked about uh, those times where he is still facing anxiety. What does he do with that? And a and a key component that I heard him talking about was scripture. And uh, the truth of Scripture, yeah. you know, and uh, and how it flies in the face of the the lies that 
he's that are, that are coming to his mind, you know. Um, and so the just the role that truth played in that, and then also when he was dealing with this uh, relationship with his fiance, um, where you know what should I do with this? And then your dad was able to bring just some truth into his mm. life that when he put it out on the table, it was it was an aha moment for uh, for both of them. It sounded like yeah. you know, so it. Uh, uh, so it's it seems like you know what I heard from him is that some of those big hard choices or big or, or like battles in life are made simpler in many respects when truth is brought into the equation and made the source of of our perspective. You know, yeah, it's almost like Jesus knew what he was talking about when he said, almost. "You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free." Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's almost like Jesus knows what he's talking almost, about. Almost, almost. Hmm. <laughs> I guess we can't be sure. No. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we also want to hear from you guys. Um, each month, we put a new question or poll up that you can respond to at rmcchurch.org/slash podcast. The poll question last month was, would you prefer to give or, oh, excuse me, what would you prefer to give slash receive for Valentine's Day? Uh, 42% of you said chocolate, 58% of you said flowers, which tells us, I guess, that 58% of you have never had chocolate (laughs) before, right? (laughs) Do you have a preference? Uh, I'm Um, the wrong person to ask about Valentine's Day. You're not into it. Do you, are you one? No. Are you one of those ones that like wore black? I knew a gal in college that no, uh, because wore those black. people are still into it. Yeah, <laughs> they're just the wrong so. way into it. I guess so. I, yeah, Sarah and I don't really do the Valentine's Day thing. I think the origin has something to do with somebody like it's a really old story. I don't know if it's like medieval, or whatever, but like somebody Probably. sending a literal heart to somebody else. Like it has. I think somebody Google this. That's that's a much cooler poll question. We should put that up there. <laughs> What's the origins and how gory is it? But I think there's uh, something going on there. Anyway, <laughs> last month we also asked, "What's your favorite kind of salsa?" Responses included mango, spicy salsa verde, and tomatillo. I think that's made up. I don't know what that is. Well, tomatillo. What, to, tomatillo. Yeah, tomatillo. Tomatillo. Tomato. Tomato. Yeah. What, what is that? It's like a hot sauce type of thing that you can put on. Is that what you did? You put that? No, that I don't like tomatillo. Do, do you like any kind of salsa? Yeah. What kind of salsa do you like? Uh, <laughs> uh, Kirkland makes an organic salsa that's real good. Oh, Kirkland. Yeah. And then there's a restaurant called Backyard Taco that okay. has really good salsa. Okay. I'm more of a chips guy. I think like the salsa, I like to have a little bit of sweetness to it, but the the chips, I think, can really make or break a salsa situation mm. for me. You gotta have a good amount of salt on those chips. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, you gotta have Absolutely. salt. I like. I, I think I like what Nando's has going on mm. um, over there. But anyway, all right. Now let's segue. Uh, <laughs> you gotta do Bible page turning. I know. <laughs> all right. So I think we're done uh, for this episode of Living Stones. You can follow Red Mountain Community Church at MyRedMTN on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And remember, you can go online to rmcchurch.org slash podcast to submit responses to our poll questions and leave questions for the guests featured on the show. On our next episode, we'll be talking with Marty Travis uh, about finding joy in the midst of trials. She has some things that she's experienced and things, some things to share relevant to, to that kind of topic. You can go online to rmcchurch.org slash podcast to submit your question for Marty, and you may just hear it read on the next episode. In the meantime, I'm Peter Franson. And I'm Kyle Fox. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on Sunday. 
I almost forgot to say my line. Oh. I was looking at your script. Like, oh, I gotta say something. I think it's on here in case you yeah. forgot. Yeah, I saw it. I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> I have a part in this. Yeah, I should have pointed at you. I'll try to remember to do that. No. Cool. Right.